Thanks for tuning in to the Medevac Podcast, powered by the Robert Irvine Foundation, whose mission is to support and strengthen the physical and mental well-being of our nation's heroes and their families. They provide them with life-changing opportunities, resources, and support them through food, wellness, community, and financial support systems. I'm one of your hosts, David Reed. And I'm your other host, Christian Myers. Thank you very much for joining us on the Medevac Podcast. This is the elusive part four episode. I don't think we've ever done a part four before, but with Kagan Gill, former naval fighter pilot, he flew the F-18 Super Hornet. If you've not heard parts one, two, and three, go back and listen to them because they are insane. I mean, it's a requirement. <laughs> You're if, gonna, yeah. <laughs> don't don't listen to today's episode without at least listening to those ones. You gotta see the first three episodes to understand the true impact of this episode. Yeah. Thanks for being back with yeah. us today, Smurf. Yeah. You know, being a fighter pilot, Smurf. I love to talk about myself, so it's just only natural. So you know, thank you great. for taking Me. the time. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I think, uh, I think today people will really enjoy. Um, yes. Uh, you know, going from the journey of everything, the ejection, the recovery, mm. getting back to flying to finding myself dealing with the uh, residual effects of an unresolved brain injury to going through the medical board process, then into a world of psychoses, mm. the broken inpatient psych facility through the VA, becoming uh, basically going from the lowest point in my life needing help and instead getting drugged driven into a darker hole and mm. having my constitutional rights stripped from me uh, and all of that today is going to be, I think a little more enjoy, a little more optimistic and hopefully inspire some hope <laughs> a little more lighthearted with a little bit, uh, give them some resources uh, mm. for their own journey. Definitely. It's going to be fantastic. That, that last episode was to put it frankly, like heartbreaking to, to know what you went through and to know that, you know, you were in that psych ward for, or do they call it a psych ward? In, I think inpatient. it's called an inpatient psych facility. Okay, inpatient psych facility. I know there's some negative connotations yeah. with some of the it verbiage. Was a bin, you know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that. one the flew coat over the cuckoo's nest, yeah. indeed. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, yeah, for sure. You were in there for a month, and there's people who have been in there since, like you said, Vietnam. Like these guys live there for decades at a time. Like there's, yeah, there's no chance to escape it once once you're locked in that long. Like there, there can't be. Like, Man, can there? It, it kind of it, it gave me the feeling that there's a lot of incentive to to get people on these medications mm -hmm. and then just kind of keep them there. Yeah. It would be it's, interesting uh, to find a out. Model. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It would be interesting to find out like how much the average patient cost. Yeah, oh. what the incentive is, and and yeah, how much money is being made. Oh, it's going to keeping be, an individual in that facility. It's got to be absurd. Half a million a year per individual, probably for, you know, to is the incentive I mean, the right, given said, or something. Just, I, I remember drugs, reading something about a decade drugs, ago about man. prisons was like 150, 200,000 a year per prison. Wow. Inmate. Yeah. And that's, I mean, look at what the prison system has become. It's very, very similar in the same aspect that oh, well, yeah. if you get them in here and if you get them on this track, well, we, we know we've got a, a guaranteed return rate we've and got, free labor. Yeah. We've yeah. got guaranteed return rate. We got free labor, which the military capitalizes on. One thing that Dave and I have been pushing on, obviously with Terra Arma, our military clothing company is we talk about the prison system, because if you're unaware of this, you know, all military uniforms or most military uniforms are made by prisoners. Ah, that Did would you explain this? the quality of someone. <laughs> so, so you've got the system designed to keep people in prison, yeah. right? 
And then the government goes and hires them for whatever, 75 cents an hour to it's produce our military almost. uniforms. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sounds, sounds like the system we're in, man. I mean, that's, uh, uh, it, it makes my blood boil a little yeah. bit from that yeah, aspect. That is absurd. But, yeah. Yeah. So let's get into some more uplifting topics here. <laughs> yeah. Make me smile. Yeah, sorry to you know, <laughs> put everybody down in that depressing <laughs> dark spot no bit, but let's way I think to go it's, much it's only so i can bring you back out with a smile on your face with yes. a new, you know bit of warmth in your heart hopefully yeah so you're back home in michigan yeah so my my treatment has gone from bad to worse through mm. the psychoses and inpatient psych facility and and i get out and it's more of the same it's more seeing a psychiatrist and here's your prescription mm. of seroquel and other things uh, there for a little bit too. But fortunately, uh, I started to get a little bit of wherewithal and seeing the desperation that I was at. I mean, I'm at this point, I'm my marriage is falling apart. I am largely incapable of being a father to my little boy who just wants me to play with them. And I mm. just, I'm just broken and I, I just can't engage with him emotionally. I'm so cut off and, uh, you know, just thinking back to what he must have seen from his little perspective is this little kid just wanting his dad and yeah. come and tug up on my leg. And I wasn't, I wasn't ever violent to him, but I was just so grumpy and dark mm-hmm. and broken. And you know, I would, you know, just get, uh, daddy can't play right now. Like, yeah. And there were times I, you know, I would, I was short tempered and little things that he did would have me yelling and, and. It was just, I was not myself. I was just sure. a terrible freaking drain of energy on my family. And it was mm. no surprise that, you know, we were so close to divorce and, yeah. and, and how that was going to work out. How old was your um, son at this point while you were going through this, this period? So he would have been two to three years old, okay. I think. Um, this is back in 2019. Mm-hmm. So he would have been, yeah, he would have been just a one-year-old up to two years old okay. through a lot of this. Um Things started to get a little better. Uh, there was some glimpses of hope as I largely took a lot of my health into my own hands with um, eating really well, um, hunting my own meat, um, eating a lot of plant-based foods, mm. getting regular exercise. I started mountain biking quite a bit. A lot of time out in nature alone, just there's a whole therapeutic effect of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, living out in northern michigan on a little farm raising a lot of our own food outside you know we got chickens we're planting a lot of our veggies and mm. fruits and things that we're eating through the summer months at least kind of becoming as self-sufficient as possible in our own little ecosystem and that was hugely helpful to kind of keep me holding on a little at least keep a little spark of hope but i was largely still very broken mm. um and I, I started finding some books that I kind of stumbled my way through. And, and one of the most life-changing ones for me was Michael Pollan's How to Change Your Mind, which is mm. about the use of psychedelic medications to yeah, heal. It's a great book. And uh, I, again, I, I could barely, from the drugs and everything, I could barely read like a freaking chapter at a time without forgetting it. But kind of stumbled my way through that on both the written and I think I had the audiobook too. So like mm. the combination like slowly absorbed and I got some takeaways from it. And so I started looking into how can I gain access to some of these psychedelic <clears throat> treatments potentially. And um, initially I just reached out in my local community and I found a guide that was willing to work with me with uh, psilocybin. Mm-hmm. 
And I had a very positive experience with that. And it didn't cure everything, but it at least kind of, to use Michael Pollan's analogy from his book, it's sort of this fresh snowfall Mm. over all these ruts of negative emotions and experiences that you've had that gives you the opportunity to maybe take a new line down the mountain on your skis or snowboard or whatever. So I also recognized from that experience that this sort of repetition of what had happened with the mainstream conventional treatment with the medication and the Seroquel or Quetiapine that they had used. I saw the pattern mm. that, you know, I had been bad and then they gave me more and it got better, but then it got worse and they gave me more. And it, this, it just had snowballed yeah, cyclical. to, to mm-hmm. being in, you know, in a psychosis all the time and in the mental hospital. <clears throat> and so I saw that pattern. I was, I recognized, okay, that we have tested that thoroughly. We, I've gone through the scientific process myself. We've done it for years now and I'm over it. Yeah. And so against the advice of my VA psychiatrist, events against the advice of my family largely, I started to wean myself off quetiapine. Hmm. And I had a lot of pushback. You know, everybody I think has been kind of conditioned to be like, oh, here's the guy with mental issues going off his meds. We've yeah. seen that mm-hmm. one a few thousand times or whatever. Um but I, I knew something inside was telling me I had to try this. Like I've tried all the the ways I'm supposed to do it, and it's not freaking working. Mm-hmm. I'm about to lose my family. I'm a terrible influence on my kid. Like I'm just dark. You're desperate at this point. Yeah. So desperate. And, and what's your experience like with psychedelics up to this point? Have you used them like so, prior to the um, Navy or? So yeah. Uh, okay. Once when I was in high school, I was dealing with some seasonal affective disorder. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so just some like depression, uh, issues, not anything awful, but, uh, unknowing that it could be beneficial. I did some mushrooms mm-hmm. out in the woods one night with my buddies at, uh, at a campfire. Okay. And I came out of it the next morning and that darkness had lifted off of me. Mm, yeah. And I felt, you know, I felt the wind on my face again. I was mm. just happy to be alive and my depression was gone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that positive person that I came out of that little experience uh, lasted. And, you know, I became a freaking fighter pilot. I went from a turning point in my life that I could have just cut myself off from the system, become an anarchist and gone into a dark hole, which is kind of where I was at, honestly. Mm -hmm. And instead, you know, my life unfolded and to do all these incredible things and have all these incredible opportunities. And I think that was a spark that mm. induced that change and had long-term effects and lasting effects. Yeah. So you had some anecdotal um, evidence for and, yourself. To, and so I had that in the yeah. back of my head. And so when I read that book, it was kind of like, Oh yeah, maybe there's more to this. And mm-hmm. this isn't just a bunch of nonsense. And so the psilocybin was helpful and that led me to the organization vet solutions. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, I applied, I, I wasn't really, I didn't meet their prerequisites. I wasn't of the SF community. I didn't have combat deployments as required. And, and after learning more about Marcus and Amber Capone, like, you know, it's like Schindler's list for them. They, they want to help everybody they can, but they only have so many resources and so many donations and funding to work with. Um, so they have to be selective. Uh, Mm -hmm. but, I still thought it was an incredible. I tried anyways. Uh, I didn't get accepted to do the treatment, but they put me on an email list, which, uh, you know, could have been easily to just kind of dismiss me like, ah, oh, crap, you know, and get down on myself. But sure. one night I was in another one of my sleepless nights and my insomnia persistent still. And I got an email and I opened it up and there was this event going on down in Texas 
through Warrior Angels Foundation. Mm-hmm. It's called the 4x4x48 Challenge, which was based off of the mind of David Goggins, which mm-hmm. is you go out every four hours, run four miles for 48 hours straight, doing it over and over again. And these guys down in Texas, uh, two brothers, Andrew and Adam Marr. Andrew was a Green Beret, and then uh, Adam was uh, an Apache attack helicopter pilot in mm. the Army. And they had started this Warrior Angel Foundation uh, with uh, the assistance of Dr. Mark Gordon and Dr. Michael Lewis to provide uh, some help to veterans that needed these access to these uh these supplementations that could yeah. potentially help reverse some of the issues from brain injury. Mm-hmm. So they've and both got their own protocols, right? I'm familiar with, they do. with Mark Gordon. He's got a website. If yeah, a, Millennium got, Health, I think is yeah. him. And he has uh, brain rescue products that he yeah. does. Have you, have you uh, tried his, his protocol or is his process I, at all? I've tried both actually. Okay. Um, and I'll, I'll get into that here in a sec, yeah. uh, kind of in order. Um, but yes. And, uh, and so it sparked my interest hearing about this, this event and, mm-hmm. and I was largely having some benefits from the the endurance sports world. I would lar- I had largely been like uh, doing a lot of mountain bike racing at this point mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. had been helpful uh, for me. But I was like, well, I'm gonna you know put together a fundraiser page. They had a fundraiser page where you could put a little bit about your experiences and 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 whatever and help raise funds for this event. So I was like, there was something calling me like, let me, I'm going to try to do it. So I put together a fundraiser page with sort of a brief synopsis of all the things I've been sharing with you guys over these past few episodes. And I put it out there. And at this point I was very cut off. Like I wasn't really keeping in touch with many people. Mm -hmm. I was very much by myself and my family was kind of falling apart. And, Mm -hmm. but I threw it out there anyways. I'm like, yeah, I didn't have any social media. So I just kind of texted it to a few friends to be like, Hey, I'm doing this fundraiser for these guys, you know? I wasn't expecting much from it, but man, the, the way it made people light up. And then I just rediscovered all the support that had been there all along, not only for me, but for the veteran community. And there was so much love and support. And within just a, it was less than two weeks. I think it had raised over $10,000 just on my fundraiser page without any social media, just from me sending it to a few people. And then, and it just kind of going viral naturally through text messaging and email but i was so excited like holy cow like people do care about me i'm not alone Mm. and uh you know before i know it adam calls me up on the phone he's like hey man we saw what you're doing with the fundraiser that's awesome your story is just amazing would you like to come down to texas and be part of the event i was like i would love to so yeah uh ended up flying down to dallas uh or sorry houston and went out to their ranch. They've got some property out uh, basically on the border of this Houston National Forest on this old Comanche warrior land with this great rich history uh, in the soil there and, 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 and proceeded to be just welcomed in with open arms into this entire veteran community of people that had been through so much of the same stuff I had. Hmm. It was largely, you know, guys from, from sort of your, your world, the, the SF world and the rescue world and, and, and boots on the ground and a lot of SF, like, uh, you know, there's seals there. There's uh, Marcus and Amber Capone were at the event. Okay. Um, a lot, we had Marsoc Marines, we had, uh, green berets. So there's a lot of guys like you guys in that community and they welcomed me in, uh, and, they all had such similar stories. Mm-hmm. You know, they had very different ways that they had experienced their traumas in combat and sure. in the explosions and in all of that world, uh, different, but 
similar in that we all had these injuries. Mm -hmm. We all had TBI. We all had the emotional sort of trauma of things. And then the, the help we got was all this pharmaceutical based conventional medicine that had mm -hmm. made all of us worse. And we all had similar stories of going into these psychoses, turning to drugs and alcohol, the homelessness, just all this darkness that came from that approach and all had recognized that that's not working. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it was so, it was for the first time I like had hope again in my heart in so long. I was like, holy shit, I wasn't wrong about this. I wasn't crazy to wean myself off of these psych meds, <laughs> which at this point I had completely over several months weaned myself off the quetiapine, a lot of sleepless nights, a lot of naysaying from my, you know, my VA psychiatrist and my family largely yeah. too were like, what? Yeah, I don't think you should do this. Mm -hmm. Um, but then I got there and I saw this and these guys had all done the same thing. And they were all like, here's a whole world of these VSOs, veteran service organizations, this community that is helping people get access to real care. Yeah. And I was just sparked with hope. And, and over, you know, each leg of these four mile legs, I would run with a different member mm -hmm. and, you know, we tell our stories about what had happened and it was just story after story of just incredible people. And, and through one of the people at the event, uh, Kelsey Sharon, she runs a podcast called Brass and Unity. Mm -hmm. She's a Canadian combat veteran who has uh, some pretty wild experiences herself, but she's like, do you want to come on my podcast? And so we recorded an episode of the podcast there. Mm. Uh, another former Marine there, um, Chris, he put me on his Warrior Soul podcast. Um, and then before I had even left the place, I'd done a few podcasts and I started to become comfortable sharing my story publicly. Yeah. Uh, and while we were there, not only did I get welcomed into this community, uh, not only did we run freaking 48 hours, uh, there was a little bit of a medicine journey there with the Native American group, uh, got to do a peyote ceremony, oh, which uh, was pretty incredible uh, and opening to me uh, at the end of the event after we had all just run these 48 miles, uh, you know, as I continued and I all this hope in my heart, I started running each of the legs faster and faster and faster hmm. to the point where I had already had 44 miles on my legs. And the last, the last leg of that run, I was running like probably some of the fastest miles I had run since my injuries. I was just blasting through the course and I came across the finish line just in an all out sprint. And I felt so refreshed, like there was zero fatigue and hmm. it was so bizarre. Mm. There was like, there was something else, like all this energy in the place that was fueling me through that. Um, but at the very end, we did a staking ceremony with the Native American group and they invited us all out to stand in this big circle. And I'd never seen just so many big, tough dudes with tattoos and freaking muscles, just in tears and yeah. tears of joy, uh, after the transformative experience that had been over the couple, the, the couple days and he invited us, uh, the, this Native American elder, to go and, and set some intentions and then go up to this one tree that was out in the middle of this uh, ancient Comanche warrior land and place our intentions with that tree. And as the people kind of cleared through, cleared out, I thought about some things of what I wanted going forward and, and, and who I was. And I kind of had all this stuff rattling around. And I walked up to the tree. And as I put my forehead up against the bark of this tree, it was as if there was this electrical force that I just saw a flash of white. And there was this immediate understanding of whatever that force was 
immediately understood who I was. And I understood that I was connected to something much larger than myself Hmm. that was on my side, whether that was all these ancient Comanche spirits that were in the land there and all the people that there were at this event, but it was this connection to nature Hmm. and everything else around me. And it was so powerful to feel that. And there was no verbal, there was no sound. It was just immediately like it knew me and I knew it. Hmm. And from that day, this is uh, last March, over the past of this course year, I have been just embraced by all of these alternative modalities. Um, I've started doing a number of podcasts uh, that's evolved into more motivational speaking. Yeah. Um, I started writing a book. Uh, I've completed a rough draft that I'm now working uh, to get published and you know, constantly editing and critiquing and fixing. Uh, but to go from where I was just over a year ago to where I am now is truly miraculous. Um, and some of the steps along the way, um, you know, the war angel foundation folks got me on the nutraceutical supplementation. Mm. I worked with Dr. Michael Lewis. Um, he wrote the book when brains collide and he was one of the first pioneers on the use of fish oil Mm. and omega threes to help heal brain injury. Um, so he worked with me and he was one of the first docs that I felt like I was having a two-way conversation with, but mm. just being told yeah, everything. That's important. Uh, so that was really refreshing. They got me on the nutraceuticals. They did a, a blood panel mm. and started looking at my physiology and my blood work. And I started to learn like, oh, when you have TBI and all these emotional traumas, it throws off your physiology, your brain, and your hormones get out a lot of whack. And, oh, yeah. and guess what happens when your hormones are all off? Your mood gets off, your mm-hmm. sleep gets off, your cognitive abilities, your memory, everything goes to hell. And so they started approaching it from that direction, which was completely new to me. Hmm. It's like, hmm, well, the VA did a blood panel of like two things and they said I was fine. <laughs> well, when the VA does a, plant, a panel and looks at your testosterone, they're comparing me, you know, a mid 30 something guy with 80 plus year old dudes. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, their ranges are massive. And it's not about being what's ideal what's healthy what would be optimum for you it's about well you're you're in the range it didn't matter that i was pretty damn low uh uh, and that they just kind of brush it off so within limits yeah yeah you were within limits (laughs) and they they are just atrociously large those ranges oh yeah you're like oh well you're not zero so you're alive cool uh yeah and and, you know (laughs) interestingly enough is i have experience in that world as well and getting lab work every six months is a requirement for me um and i ask those hard questions too i'm like okay how do you optimize this what is optimal for someone my age you know and where you want to be so like i i've always told my doc i was like i want mine my blood to reflect that of a 20 year old for the rest of my life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be an Olympian athlete. Yeah. At the peak Olympic level. <laughs> Get rid of this other data and let's focus on getting me to Olympic yeah. style athlete. Yeah. And Doc Lewis is like, yeah, you know, you're, you know, you're, you're sort of at like this low range. And, and I'll use this at, at the risk of offending P3 pilots out there. But he's like, <laughs> you know, you've got like P3 pilot testosterone right now. Like you're alive and you can fly, but you want freaking fighter pilot testosterone yeah. again. You've got like, drone pilot testosterone right now. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry, because there's some awesome P3 pilots. Well, I, P3's gone. It's all the P8 now. Uh, but anyway, that was a good uh, wake up for me. I'm like, what's possible? Mm. All right, yeah, let's get my body to 
optimum, not yeah. just alive. Yes. And so started taking it from the nutraceuticals direction and, and, uh, and then I was, I met Jesse Gould down at that, uh, war angels event. Uh, and he's, he runs heroic hearts project, mm. former uh, army ranger type himself. Uh, and saw the benefits of psychedelic medicine and started his own nonprofit to to get people access to psychedelic medications. And he invited me down to Peru. So last May, I went down with a group of uh, about eight other vets or so, and we met up in Terrapoto. And over the next week, just had one of the most incredible experiences of my mm. life. Um, you know, we're out in the freaking Amazon high jungle, waterfalls and trees and toucans and all this beautiful nature that we're surrounded by, you know, cut off from cities and stoplights and yeah. beeps and cell phones. And you just get a chance to disconnect, which in itself was just so powerful just mm -hmm. to be That's in nature. Very therapeutic. Yeah. Um, and the food was just amazing. You know, the, the food that's grown there in this healthy rainforest soil, mm. I mean, is so good. Like the, the salads and the things that they were make were so simple, but they were so delicious and nutrient dense that you didn't even need dressing. And I, I remember eating just such a smaller portion of these largely plant-based foods they feed you before the ayahuasca journey. Uh, and I felt so full and content. Mm. I was like, mm -hmm. man, if I ate that much produce back home, I wouldn't feel crap. But oh, it's because our stuff is being grown in these depleted soils yeah. and, and all yeah. these micronutrients that your body is like, please give me. That's yeah, empty. We're of. not getting a lot yeah. of those through so much of the conventional uh, industrial agriculture that's grown in our country. But to get that even was very eye-opening. Like, holy crap, this is mm. what this is what produce is supposed to be like. You know, the one of the chefs there, like he's going outside and he's like digging through the earth and he's digging up this, you know, this little piece of turmeric or whatever it was and they're using those in the dishes and this or wild rainforest cilantro that he's picking <laughs> off the floor of the rainforest yeah, wow. and so all that's going into our food so even that was just so nourishing yeah I bet. so uh, they do this big flower bath and uh, you end up doing the vomitivo ceremony which uh you pound a bunch of lemongrass water like it's like freaking frat party drinking competition basically <laughs> with this stuff you're just pounding glass after glass until you want to puke and then you got to pound more of it and before you know it you're just projectile vomiting all this lemongrass water out of your body and and from that moment forward like the just the smell of lemongrass makes me a little bit <laughs> nauseous but it helped I'm to sure. kind of purge the system and in combination with the nature and that produce and the good stuff we were consuming like my body was just so cleansed and ready to take in this powerful plant medicine mm. ayahuasca and so first night of ceremony is a three-day ceremony and the way they kind of explain it in general is the first night sort of like your pre-op the second night of ceremony is like your in-depth soul surgery mm -hmm. and then the last night sort of like your post-surgery soul uh post-soul surgery recoupment uh I don't know if that's even a word, but they recovery put you back phase. together, recovery phase. Yeah. And so the first night, um, you know, everybody's sitting around, the sun's gone down and we're all up in this malacca, which is like sort of a, a big open air building in a circular fashion, kind of like a big teepee. And outside, you know, you can just hear the, all the insects and all the animals of the jungle coming to life at night and the stars are out and it's just beautiful. Uh, 
And we all sit in a big circle in this dark room and they pass around uh, my pacho, which is this ceremonial tobacco. It's all, you know, it's what tobacco is supposed to be. It doesn't have a bunch <laughs> of chemicals and crap. And it's just like this organically grown potent tobacco. Mm-hmm. And so we're sitting around and all you can see, cause the lights are completely out. So everybody's smoking these mapacho hand rolled cigarettes. Mm-hmm. And then the guides, uh, come in and they sit down in the middle of the room and go around the room and they hand out, uh, you come up to take a, basically a shot glass of what looks like Jägermeister, mm-hmm. but tastes way worse. Uh, oh, it's yeah. a super bitter, combination of the stuff that they've boiled down over eight hours it's a combination of the ayahuasca which is uh, the bark of this vine that grows in the jungle mm-hmm. combined with the chacruna bush uh i think the ch- the way i remember the chacuna kind of helps to open up the pathways so that the dmt of the ayahuasca can be received by your body yeah it's an maoi the yeah. It allows the, the DMT to be absorbed into your system and act in a prolonged setting as opposed to like when you smoke it, it gives you a short burst. The ayahuasca gives you that long, long journey. That makes uh, sense. Keeps it from being reabsorbed too quickly or you know, metabolized. But so, yeah, you know, this, this is, this is the plant medicine that these, uh, these tribes of the Amazon, uh, the Shipibo people have been doing since prehistory, hmm. you know, um, so they really know what they're up to. And these guides that you're working with have been doing this for 20 plus years. And that's, that's their, that's their world. Mm. And so you take this stuff, it tastes awful. I immediately just wanted to vomit, went back and sat down in the dark as the stuff took effect. And I was one of the last, I think I was the last uh, vet in the room that night to take the medicine. And so the Shipibo, uh, these shaman go around the room and they work with each person individually singing these ikaras, these spiritual songs that call in the spiritual energy. And they're like a, they're like a mediator between the spiritual realm and this physical realm that we're in. Mm. And there's, they're able to communicate between the two and connect you. Uh, and so they would walk up to an individual and they would sing these songs and it would engage the medicine. And I remember sitting in the room in the dark, I'd been sitting there for like an hour and I didn't really feel that much. Mm-hmm. And, but as soon as the, the Shipibo walked up in front of me and started singing, it was like, it activated the medicine. And I went into a pretty intense, um, you know, it, there was a lot of visual with patterns and colors and the room was spinning in this almost like it was made of a fluid. And then I had this snake that just consumed me. And I was in the belly of this massive anaconda, just feeling like I had venom coursing through my body. I was dying and mm. I could feel nauseous. All I wanted to do was puke. And I, was, I realized in my mind, I was being digested by this snake. And as I'm sitting in there, it started to become pleasant as I just kind of accepted it. Mm. Like, okay, I'm just going to accept being digested by this. I'm not going to fight it. Mm. And uh, from there on out through the night, you know, it was um, a lot of visual stuff, but sort of on par with what I had experienced with uh, psilocybin. So I didn't really have an out-of-body experience, but a a lot of nausea was distracting me, I think, that night. And I hadn't puked up into the end of the night. Uh, One of the Shipibo came up to me and started singing. And he took this straw, this perfume, and he spit it all over me. And it speckled all over my face and my body. And as it speckled, like these little red and white spirals formed 
on my skin and it felt like these little peppermint patties were all over my body of liquid that expanded. And I don't know what all that was, but I immediately just purged my guts out into the bucket mm. next to me, which apparently the Shipibo take is like, uh, they take it as a very good thing. Your body is purging mm-hmm, out mm-hmm. this nasty, evil stuff. Yeah. They, so they're like, yeah, nice work. And they're happy to see you purge like that. They're not disgusted that you're puking. Um, but I went, you know, at that point, we'd been in it for five or six hours. The ceremony was closed. Once I was kind of able to, I stumbled my way back in the dark and uh, got back to my room. And I remember going back into my room and I purged again in the bathroom and this like, dark veiny muscular evil spirit sort of thing it looked like freaking one of the dudes from jersey shore just got puked out of my stomach (laughs) into the toilet and i remember it just kind of like it was like this evil had just come out of me i don't know Mm. what that was but after it came out i felt so relieved and i couldn't sleep and i just laid there and i watched the sunrise and i was still a little bit in the medicine through the next morning we went we had more of that amazing produce um Mm. We, we were very limited on what we could eat, but we ate a little more of that really good produce that they had of fruits and veggies. And then we did another flower bath. And then night two is the big night. This is the all-out soul surgery. We're back in the Malacca after sunset. Mapacho's out lit. And they call us up. And I go up there and I take the exact same amount from the exact same cup. And I didn't feel the nausea. And it started to act much much more quickly that night yeah and the room started spinning in this counterclockwise flow like it was a fluid and i looked up to the roof of the malak and it was just like everything was spiraling around me and then i just kind of went with it and initially there was some of the visual stuff and these crazy color patterns and shapes and and the visual excitement of it and then i just went to this dark place everything Mm. was black and i found myself in what felt trapped in hell and all i could hear was just screaming and moaning it sounded like all the guys around me were being tortured and i heard vomiting and i could just smell shit and piss and puke and it was just awful and miserable and i was just curled up in the fetal position just trapped out of my body in this fucking awful place and there was so much darkness around me i was just trapped in this pit of a labyrinth of hell hmm. where i realized my soul was stuck from everything i had been through it was like my soul had been just trapped in this darkness somewhere dark in hell and as the night progressed i went into just this very it felt like i was in hell and my thoughts started racing and the more i tried to use logic and get out of it the more insane i went and the more Mm. i thought and the more i was like well i can make sense of this oh this isn't real the more i did that it just got worse and worse and it was like just getting hit over and over again by a freaking cement mixer just crushing me and churning me up in this dark vivid experience i was trapped in Hmm. and that just felt like at this point i had completely lost track of my body i was out of my body experience sort of thing and i lost track of time and it felt like i was just trapped there for countless years Hmm. in Hmm. this fucking darkness and all i wanted was be let go i wanted it to be over but the more i fought it and the more i tried to make sense of it it just got worse and worse and worse until it, it just beat me down to where I was just so broken, I just let go. Yeah. And as soon as I did that, it was like my body just escaped 
through this labyrinth pit and I came out and I just shot up into the heavens. <laughs> and then I proceeded to have just one of the most beautiful experiences of my life as I soared through the galaxies in time and space. I lived countless lives is all of these other organisms and entities and spirits. And I, you know, I lived a lifetime as a, an insect and then a frog and then other humans. I experienced mm. entire lifetimes from different perspectives of people. I became this ancient Amazon rainforest tree and I experienced a lifetime as this tree. And what was just a breath of air to me as this tree was you know, in front of me, there were all these civilizations that had built and collapsed. There were all these people that had built villages and fought one another and they had died and moved on and everything had just turned to dust. But for me as a tree and my perception of time from that point of view was just, that was just one breath of air. Mm. That was just a moment of my existence. Mm. And then I experienced that same thing from the perspective of the spirit of the earth and what time was and how that tree that I had just been was just a blip in that existence. And then of the the sun and then the mm. universe. And I continued to step out and gaining these greater experiences. And I experienced eons of life from the beginning of time and into the future and everything in between. And, and I cannot articulate even a fraction of the things I saw that night mm. and, yeah. and the experiences I had. It was like whatever is me and whatever is us that spirit or whatever is in us whatever you believe when when you're under the influence of these medicines it was like all the limitations of your simple human mind are gone yeah. and mm -hmm. you are you get to experience all of the things that our five senses cannot perceive mm -hmm. and you get to experience everything that is around us all the time that we can we so easily become disconnected from mm -hmm. with our five senses in our busy lifestyles and our and our ego and everything that kind of puts us in the here and now and obsessed with what's my job what's my what am i doing today what you know all that stuff you get removed from mm -hmm. and disconnected and it was so beautiful to just spend that night that felt like countless there was no time and yeah. i was disconnected from that and experienced all of it and I wish I could articulate more of all the beautiful things that happened in that amazing journey, but it was it was seeing what God is or whatever you want to call that, mm -hmm. that interconnectedness of everything and how we are all one, we are all the same thing, and we are all part of the same thing. And time is just sort of this made-up perception we have, and our senses are so limited. And it was beautiful and, and exciting. And at the end of the night, I kind of started to come back into my body, and I was in this sort of elevated malacca that almost felt like it was up in the heavens, and all the other spirits of these veterans were up there with me. And I remember we were communicating our spirits of who we were that had been around since the beginning of time. Uh, we all communicated through this language. It was more like a song, almost like a frog song or not human, hmm. but I was able to understand what it was. And we were all sharing our stories of our perceptions of that entire countless years of existence that we all were and yeah. sharing that experience and bringing it back together. And then I came back down into my body and I came to on the floor and I woke up and dude, that room was a disaster. <laughs> it looked like, I mean, there was shit and vomit and all sorts Man. of bodily fluids. And I somehow managed not to have any on me, <laughs> but it was a disaster. And that room reeked. Oh yeah, I'm uh, sure. And as I came to, you know, the 
the dude who ran the retreat center who kind of kept eye over us all the whole night. He he was the last guy left in the room and I was the last dude in there after everybody had already gone. Like I went deep that night. Mm. And he came up and he's like, "Hey, how you doing?" He helped me like get my my headlamp was freaking <laughs> thrown about and everything was just a disaster. But he helped me get back downstairs. There's this winding path that leads to this open area, and in the middle of this open little patch of grass in the middle of the jungle, there's this circular uh, little structure. Mm-hmm. And I walked out and stood on that little structure. Nobody was around. Everybody had gone to bed at this point, and the stars were out. And it was just beautiful, like no light pollution out there. So you can just, you feel like you are floating in the, in the freaking universe, which yeah. we are, but you really get to see it and experience it. And, and I was standing there in this freaking massive insect. I don't know what it was, just <laughs> lands right in my hair. And I was like, oh, geez. Wow. I just freaked out for a second. It flew off and my heart was up and I was like, what the hell was that? And did I just imagine that was that real? But then I stood there and I just looked up to the heavens and I could just feel this freaking incredible energy shooting out of my core of my heart, like a freaking supernova exploding. And it just transferred out into the depths of the universe. Hmm. And I just felt all this energy come back into me. And again, I couldn't sleep that night. Um, I just laid awake. Just, I didn't feel sick at all that night. I didn't have any of the nausea. Mm-hmm. I did go back and have a massive... Uh, poo as all the med- <laughs> like the medicine's going to come out of you one way or the other the poo is a, a much more enjoyable way to get it out um and then the next day kind of the same routine yeah. did the uh the flower bath again more good food and then we went in for our final night of soul surgery so how are you feeling after having gone through the first night sounds pretty intense and the second night is obviously like has un- unbuttoned yeah. your soul <laughs> yeah. yeah like you've I emptied felt- out everything yeah. how much further can you go yeah <laughs> Are you are you prepared for for night three? Are you nervous? Yeah, I mean, you excited? Going into night two, especially, I was like, I don't really want to do this. Oh, because yeah, I was I still nauseous, and I'm like, oh my god, I've got two nights of this. How oh, yeah. am I going to it's do that? Terrifying sometimes. But after the second night, I was kind of like the nausea was gone, and yeah. I had seen the beautiful side of it, mm-hmm. and I was much more like ready to get back into it. Sure. Again, and we spent the day just all the vets there, like just we were so close to each other. Like it had been like we'd all been you know, brothers, mm-hmm. our whole lives, we had just built such a close connection. We're just telling funny and dirty stories about the stuff we've all been through and laughing and bonding so strongly. And, um, anyways, headed into the last night and mm. I took slightly less, almost the exact same amount of medicine. I was just like a little tiny bit less. <laughs> and I spent that night largely in my body. I didn't have like the big crazy out-of-body experience but they say on the last night the shipibo will often gift you with this uh like spiritual gift Mm. and they came to me and i think the gift i got was it was like i got to this gift of interpreting other animals spirits Mm. and i spent the night this black huge black jaguar spirit merged with my body and it showed me how as a jaguar and you're out in the jungle and you get injured you can't heal you're not going to get medevaced out you're not going to have a helicopter pack pick you up and the spirit of the jaguar through nonverbal communication showed me how to heal like i had a lot of issues in my shoulder and he was showing me how to like stretch that shoulder and i felt like i was this jaguar this freaking massive cat and i could feel the power of digging my claws into the ground in these trees and stretching my arms and my legs as if i were that animal hmm. 
And as I did that, I mean, physically, I'm sitting there basically doing yoga on my mat as this jaguar spirit. And I experienced several other animal spirits through the night. But, um, you know, by six or seven hours later, I was just like, so it was just beautiful to have this gift of connectivity. And I saw how the, the Shipibo people, because they had grown up in this hostile environment of the Amazon freaking jungle with little to nothing to protect them. They had become masters of these animal spirits Mm -hmm. and learning to work with these plants and animals to survive and going from these sort of like hairless, wimpy creatures that we are (laughs) relative to so many other animals out there, but becoming the masters of the jungles in the Mm -hmm. world in a large part um, through that relationship. And it was beautiful to see that. Um, you know, I, I went back and journaled a bunch and, and afterwards we all kind of went our separate ways. And in the hotel back in Terrapoto that night, I just had just this incredible outpouring of creativity. I picked up my journal and started drawing again. I used to draw a lot as a kid, but mm. I always got discouraged. Like, oh, you can't really make a living as an animator yeah, and yeah. an artist. And so I stopped doing, but I picked it back up and it was like, I had been doing it for years again. And I would drew this picture of myself. It was like a self-portrait. And it was like me as this, it was almost like the spirit of ayahuasca was looking through my body. Like it was an x-ray vision of myself and you could see all the metal and rods and stuff in my body and my outer body. There was just an outline, but there was this, you know, this wing on me. Like I was this fallen, broken angel spirit. Um, and with all this energy shooting out of my soul and my heart, um, and I was like, holy shit, where did this come from? But there was something flowing through me, that creativity mm-hmm. when I got back. And it was sure. just going out on paper. And I didn't have to like erase or anything. It was just flew. It was flew. It was coming out of me like I was, you know, it wasn't freaking Michelangelo quality. Let's go. <laughs> but it was incredible for me to like just have this come out of me. And I felt so alive. Mm. And that lasted, man. And it just put me on a new path of hope in life. And over the next summer, I started training for. Uh, these ultra endurance events. I mean, before when I was on the medication, I was trying to work out, but I would run a mile and I felt like I had just rocked with a hundred pound pack. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was, my time, my run times were super slow and this is it, whatever that was doing to my physiology, those meds were just crushing me. Yeah. And yeah. Destroying so you. once yeah. I, once I got off the meds, I felt better. And then after this experience and the war angel foundation experience and all this thing started to come together, I started performing like at levels I hadn't seen since before my injury. Mm. Um, I, on the mountain bike, I was setting all these records on Strava and stuff. And I just was freaking crushing it again. Um, and then through defenders of freedom, uh, Donna Cranston runs that organization out of Dallas, invited me down to, um, resiliency brain clinic. Uh, and I spent two weeks doing this intensive TBI treatment. And thoughts and prayers out to Donna right now. Her hus- or her son, Matthew, uh, former Army combat vet, is currently in the hospital with a bullet in his head. Uh, appears to be accidental. Um, mm. And he's still alive, though. Mm. Um, but as we speak, I just I spoke with Donna a couple of days ago. So, uh, again, thoughts and prayers or whatever you're into, good vibes. Uh, send them towards them right now because they could use it. Yeah, um, that's a rough situation. But uh, 
Donna was generous enough to invite me down, uh, funded my flight and the whole treatment, which is probably $10,000 plus worth of treatment mm. at the clinic. Uh, again, did a very in-depth blood panel before I went down, even more in-depth than what I did with Dr. Lewis and those guys at War Angel Foundation and uncovered all this other stuff about my physiology that I didn't know. Mm. Um, and we started addressing those things ahead of time with supplementation and uh, diet changes to I you know, eating the optimum foods for me. And then when I got down there, you do this whole battery of testing mm -hmm. and, you know, it's basically the testing they should be doing at the VA to check you for all these things, but they're not sure. for a number of reasons. But I mean, it was a deep dive all day. You're doing balance testing and they're physically testing. They're looking at your eyes and your eye movement and checking your responses. You're doing all these online memory tests and IQ tests. And there's this whole day of just devoted to testing to really build a picture of your brain mm -hmm. because commonly through trauma and TBI, you know, a normal person's brain, maybe your this part of your brain controls your left hand or whatever, mm -hmm. whatever the, the wiring is in most people. When you go through a TBI, they explain it's kind of like all the freaking cables get disconnected yeah. from the, the mixer and the RCA cables are all over the floor. Yeah. And as you heal, they kind of get plugged in wherever kind of randomly. And your brain rebuilds these connections, but they were able to remap my brain using transcranial magnetic stimulation mm -hmm. and other techniques to kind of see, okay, here's where your brain's been damaged and they're able to see, okay, it appears you had a very intense brain injury on the right side of your brain and then put together a plan of how are we going to, how are we going to fix that? So got to experience uh, transcranial magnetic stimulation. Uh, they put this, uh, basically it's a Tesla coil mm -hmm. put right up against your skull and it shoots these electromagnetic pulses into your brain at a certain, uh, frequency they do it on the right and left hemispheres of uh, i believe the frontal cortex of your brain and it man after seven minutes on that machine it feels like you had just you know had a few drinks or or whatever like feeling really relaxed without any of the impairment you just mm -hmm. felt like yeah. so relaxed a little dizzy um <laughs> yeah and it felt great and and over the course of the week a lot of it was some simple things like a freaking pop pop popsicle stick with little stickers on it and you follow it with your eyes uh, your eyes are essentially a, an extension of your brain mm -hmm. and very, very low tech stuff. A lot of this was, you didn't have to have a lot of fancy equipment, although they had some of that as well. But, um, you know, a lot of it was just eye movements with a freaking popsicle stick. And after just a couple minutes of doing these eye movements, it felt like I had just freaking done freaking Murph or something like <laughs> yeah. I was just drained or mentally. Mm -hmm. Um, but they did a lot of balance work with you. You know, a lot of it's, they put you in front of this light panel to check your reactions. And while you're reacting to the lights lighting up and moving physically and balancing on a balance ball, you're reciting colors or mm. categories, you name it. Uh, so over the course of those two weeks, you know, you do all these testing at the beginning to see where you're at. And then after two weeks of all this treatment, that's something that could be at every freaking military base, by the way, yeah. very easily with minimal funding compared to what it costs to put somebody on drugs the rest of their life, play, pay disability. Not only that, but you know, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, had I done this back when I started to have my struggles, yeah, there's a good chance I'd still be freaking flying super hornets. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was that transformative just in that two weeks. Um, and I'm not saying it fixed everything and there was a lot more damage that had been done, but 
I retested at the end of the two weeks and all my scores were drastically improved from memory. I was sleeping better, like Hmm. cognitive functions all just were better. Balance was better. I was physically moving better. I looked better. My posture was better. So much of the things caused by this unresolved TBI were finally getting addressed in just two weeks of it, you know? And if, if you were to extrapolate that out from the very beginning of what happened to me and they started doing that stuff, man, what a powerful tool. Sure. Yeah. But the folks at the clinic there, you know, we've been talking about the role of the pharmaceutical industry in so many things, these modalities that they're utilizing there, um, that are not covered by insurance, which is what makes it so cost prohibitive, um, is which the insurance industry is even more corrupt than the pharmaceutical industry uh, <laughs> on that topic. But episode five. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah I digress. Uh, they, they, the, the, the staff there is like, yeah, we get these modalities, they come up, they're amazingly effective. And then they get, they get taken away from us. Yeah. Uh, they get made illegal through the pharmaceuticals industry sway at the FDA. Uh, these technologies get bought up like they're going to get used and then shelved. And then shelved. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's threats. There's people that disappear. Like there's a lot that's going on behind the scenes because these things are such a threat to that business model yeah. that is mm-hmm. making them a lot of profit in the pharmaceutical world and in the insurance industry and that whole system is built off the system we have now and, and yeah. remaining that way. So when these customers, things up, not patients. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, but anyways, I continue to get these glimpses of real modalities that help and yeah. all the stuff that's really out there that people in the know, know about. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, uh, you know, we can't just get that through the VA yet, but hopefully someday it'll head that way. Um, came out of that in Dallas went back home, continued my training. And I, uh, was training at this point for the most difficult single, the most difficult, brutal grinding single day mountain bike race on the planet, supposedly. And, Hmm. uh, that's up in Marquette, Michigan. Okay. It's called the Margie Gessick 100. It's actually more like 115 miles with 12,500 feet of elevation gain over largely terrain that people struggle to walk and climb. Uh, and you're trying to ride a bike on it and largely in the dark. Um, but I trained for that all summer. I got in probably the best like endurance cardiovascular shape I've ever been in, uh, really lean down. And, and I mean, I could just go all day and, uh, I showed up in September for that event with my buddy, Matt and went out and I completed the freaking for a guy with a handicap license plate, by the way, <laughs> who just less than a year ago, you know, could barely run a mile yeah. in, in and out of psychosis, broken, hopeless, had just I had just completed the freaking one of the most brutal things you can do on a mountain bike. Um, and I finished, you know, and there was a lot of very able body, high level athletes that did not finish mm. that race. Um, depending on the year and the conditions you get, it's it's anything from a 60 percent to 90 percent dropout rate in that race. Wow. But uh, freaking finished it unscathed. And uh, nice. You know, just continue to get help from these nonprofit organizations that are filling in all the holes. Mm-hmm. Um, this organization called open water invited me down, uh, run by Danny Nichols. He's a former pro surfer, uh, great love for the veteran community, his buddy, um, him and his buddy, Kyle, uh, who's actually a former army dude, uh, with a missing leg, got blown up in Humvee, 
uh, started this organization to take out vets and first responders to do some open water paddling. And mm. as a group, we trained in Tahoe and then we did a paddle from Catalina Island into Huntington Beach. It was oh, like nice. a 32, 33 mile wow. open water paddle with some pretty brutal conditions out in the ocean. Uh, completed that, then rolled right into this winter where um, started to get that call for some psychedelic healing and continued on that journey. I put up a, a fundraiser on uh, GoFundMe initially, and I created a, I had created an Instagram account and started to get some followers. So uh, I put up a little thing on my GoFundMe that, you know, I'm trying to raise money to get some of these treatments. Uh, and I put that up and within a cup, within a day at, well, even from the evening I had set it up, it was less than maybe six hours. It had raised over a thousand dollars from mm. the generosity of friends and family and complete strangers that had seen it. And the next morning I woke up excited to see even how much more it had grown and Gibson go had, uh, or sorry, GoFundMe had shut the page down and they had <laughs> confiscated all those donations. And it was because they said it violated their terms of agreement, blah, blah, blah. Um, Anyways, I tried to fight that. They eventually refunded everybody, but I was extremely disappointed to see that happen off such a well-intended thing. Sure. Yeah. Found uh, Give, Send, Go, uh, and they actually let me put up a fundraiser, and quickly that built, and so I raised money to do um, what ended up... I had to take the piece that was going to be funded for psychedelics off um, just because of fear that they would shut that down as well with mm. all the stigma despite receiving these uh, psychedelic treatments legally in a medical facility in a medical facility yeah. by professionals um there's still so much stigma that uh it's difficult to raise funds yourself for yeah. doing yeah, so it is. there's still that stigma out there um, but i also through one of the guys i met through warrior angel foundation who lives uh in austin my buddy vance he put me in contact with this very generous couple uh, Clay and Eleanor Womack, who run a hyperbaric treatment facility in mm -hmm. Austin called ATX Hyperbarics. And they invited me down to spend a month of getting 60 plus hours of hyperbaric treatment. And so through that fundraiser, I was able to raise the money that it cost to get my family down here and get an Airbnb uh, and you know cover some of our travel expenses to be able to get access. And then Eleanor Excellent. and Clay have generously donated what's got to be over $12,000 of their treatments, consultation, wow. supplementation, uh, blood testing, DNA testing, like they're giving it all like they're throwing everything at me that they know with their access to these incredible modalities. Uh, and then right before that, uh, right before coming down here to Austin, uh, someone else had seen my fundraiser page get shut down. Uh, my friend, Matthew Buckley, he's a former F-18 pilot. Uh, and he has started a nonprofit called No Fallen Heroes. Mm -hmm. And he's trying to get a lot of, or he is getting access for a lot of the strike fighter community people get them access the way that uh, vet solutions and some of these others are getting a lot of the special operations community mm. access to psychedelic healing. Excellent. But he saw that post and he's like, Hey man, come on down to Costa Rica with us. We're going to go down and do an aboga journey. Ooh. And so he, uh, he paid for my trip down to Costa Rica just a few weeks back and did, uh, did a week long iboga journey. And uh, now talk about leading up to that. Cause you've already done, so you've done yeah. psilocybin, you've mm -hmm. done ayahuasca, yeah. And now you're getting ready to do arguably the most intense. Yeah. Most potent. Yeah, and it uh it or lives, one of the up, most lives up to its name and reputation for sure. Yeah. Um yeah. Uh, but 
got down to Costa Rica again, very beautiful facility out in mm. the jungle, lots of good food, good people, and proceeded to do two nights, two sessions of the aboga. Mm. The first night, you know, this is a, an African root. They take it from the aboga tree and the breedy people use this uh, largely for ceremony, rites of passage, yeah. and they've been using it in their culture for countless years, you know, prehistory kind of stuff. And, yeah. and it's like a national treasure to them, this, this aboga, uh, because it's so important to them and their culture. And so I got the opportunity to take some of this route uh, with a guide. And, you know, we started the night off around a big blazing fire after sunset. Uh, they do a lot of cleansing with sage and things to ward off evil. And they walk around with this big jar, of what looks like freaking wood shavings, mm -hmm. like someone had gone in someone's wood shop and scraped all this stuff up. It's, I mean, it is wood shavings from a root. Yeah. Uh, and, they take a big heap and tablespoon of this stuff and they dump it in your mouth and it's just bitter. And ideally you want to chew it a little bit because it helps to activate some of the alkaloids in it to get them out into your system a little quicker. Mm -hmm. So I'm like chewing this big mouth of dry sawdust, like I got some water. So I, I kind of like get it all into one cheek and I'm getting little bits in, chewing it up and trying to get it down. And after the first tablespoon of this stuff, I'm like, Oh, you know, not feeling great. Yeah, no more plans. Um, so we sit around the fire for a little bit. There's some singing and dancing, and they start that bweedy music up. Which, yeah, look if you don't, if you never heard it, go freaking turn on some bweedy music. Oh. It's awful. I mean, it sounds like it is just, just erratic. Erratic. It's incoherent. There's not a rhythm to it. It's no, like, no rhythm. No harmony. What the hell is going on? Oh. Uh, that was the hardest part of the journey for me. <laughs> I was listening to the music, <laughs> uh, but somehow it started to work. Like uh, the way it works with that medicine is actually was surprising. Yeah, and then like it starts to two, make sense. Two three hours go by, and you don't even realize you're shaking the little yeah the little maraca. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Were you guys staring into a mirror as well? So the way we did it, we we had to do a. a an EKG prior yeah. to make sure our hearts yeah. were good. Yeah. And then they didn't have a machine on us while we did the ceremony. Okay. Um, and we sat around the fire, did the first scoop. And at that point, most everybody, except for me and one other person, we stayed at the fire. They all were like, all right, we're good. Mm. And I wasn't feeling a whole lot yet. And for whatever reason, I was like, all right, I'll do another scoop. And so oh, they, come around and they gave me another scoop of this stuff. Ballsy. And uh, <sighs> I freaking chew it up, swallow it down. And actually, one of the other people there, this uh, former Air Force woman, fighter pilot, freaking awesome human. She's there doing her own healing journey. Mm -hmm. She had never done any psychedelics. Yeah. And she was jumping right into freaking Iboga. I think she did four scoops of the medicine the first <laughs> oh. night. Her first psychedelic experience was like a heroic dose of the most powerful oh, psychedelic on the planet. Man. Um, but I did two, and that was good for me. Um after about 45 Ooh. minutes, I really started to feel wobbly. And then like, like you guys know, like your body just kind of disconnects from your nervous system yeah. and you're no longer able to walk on your own. Uh, one of the guides helped walk me over and they had a bunch of beds set up for us. And the beds are in the sort of open air pavilion overlooking the jungle and the starry night. Oh, beautiful. So it's That's just be beautiful great. outdoors. And I laid down at this point, I'm just kind of feeling wobbly, not really a whole lot of hallucinations starting yet, but they put the, uh, they put the blindfold on yeah and i laid down 
And man, those auditory hallucinations on that oh, were like man. something I've never experienced. Dude, they're insane. Like I, I swear, there's people popping up next to me and talking. Yeah. So uh, yeah, in that uh, Iboga journey, and things are really starting to take off for me as I'm laying there blindfolded. The auditory hallucinations were incredibly intense. I kept thinking people were oh, yeah. walking up and whispering and talking in my ear. And we're not there at all. Um, it's like three dimensional, the auditory oh, hallucinations. Yeah. Like insanity. When I try to Coming explain it everywhere. to people, yeah, it sounds, it actually sounds like people are walking around you. You can hear it in directional as if they're by your bottom right or above your head or standing up. You can feel the wind across your face as if they're jumping over you. Like, yeah, it's a weird experience. Um, it absolutely is. Uh, it's so off putting. Uh, <laughs> I, felt, I felt really nauseous from just having swallowed two massive tablespoons of uh two massive tablespoons of freaking wood dust is all settling in my stomach uh not so well but uh with the mask down now the auditory stuff's kicking off and very Mm. quickly thereafter i started to experience these visual hallucinations as well and for me what that was was it looked like this army of the dead like every warrior soul in this endless lineup was floating across this big open pool that we were looking down in from the pavilion we were sitting in Mm. and by the way i'm blindfolded but this is what i can see down looking down is this all these armies of these ghost warriors and all these ancient warrior spirits are floating over the water in formation and floating and marching up over me and as each of these warrior spirits floats by me its face just floats over me, this white kind of ghostly face. And as each one goes over, I hear just go bub, 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 bub. And I just kept hearing that bub, bub, mm-hmm. bub, 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 bub. And that just kept going. Yeah. And then from there, and I, it was just like, they were just scoping me out. Like mm-hmm. all these warriors were flowing over me like, all right, what's up with this dude? Mm-hmm. You know, and it continues to intensify that's going on. And I, the first thing I notice, um, you know, there's many ways to purge. You can, you can shiver, you yeah. can sweat, you can puke, you can shit, you can cry, you can laugh. There's all these different ways for trapped energy to get out of you. Mm-hmm. And for me, initially I was just shivering Yeah. as I was witnessing what was like all this death, all these dead spirits floating over me, or maybe not dead spirits, live spirits, I got so cold and I kept asking him to bring me more blankets and I had several blankets and it didn't matter. Yeah. I was just shivering death. is crazy. And I was just shivering, shivering, shivering. And then it kicked into basically like this horror gore film sketch comedy show on the back of each of my eyelids was like a projector and a projector would pop up on one eyelid. And then it was like a short clip from this crazy sketch comedy and imagine like the gore effects from like the thing and like 80s gore movies with claymation Mm -hmm. stuff and like the melting faces of uh the indiana jones movie you know yeah Uh, Yeah. uh, and stuff like that just really gory but kind of like funny and fun and anytime anything got a little too dark and things started going down a black spiral i used some meditation techniques Mm -hmm. that i had been practicing prior Mm -hmm. to reground myself and i i I imagine my my little kids i imagine my son and my daughter and it like brought this sense of love back to my heart Mm -hmm. and brought me back to a good place to that i could enjoy this as much as possible yeah i was very happy to have that tool going in Mm -hmm. because had i not i could see how you could really bite off on some of this dark yeah awful 
crap you're seeing, hearing, and feeling, and then go into a very dark place. Um, but with those yep. tools, I was able to kind of keep it on the up and up. Same, same um, for me was those tools were invaluable. Yeah. Just having that meditative background yeah. and just sure. taking that breath and just bringing it back to that awareness was huge. Yeah. And, and not, and not, I feel like, go, go, go. Ahead, were you please. able uh, to interact with the medicine? I, a lot of people yeah. were able to, to talk to it. And if things are getting too intense or they want to see a different scene or anything like the, how they explained it to us was like tinder just swipe right swipe left like yeah. if you're if you want a new yeah. scene just physically like think about yourself swiping and a new scene will pop up yeah that's started, a lot of people as i kind of got the hang of it yeah it was like that and i was like so you're right, able to play interact. the next one okay. play the next oh that one's gross i don't want to go there all right yeah. next one mm -hmm. and that went on for i don't know hour and a half two hours and i got really into it i was just feeling so nauseous and i yeah. remember there are many times at this point where i'm like okay i'm ready for this to be over and it was like mm -hmm. there's probably like 20 plus hours <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm getting more intense. it's laughing at um, you like, we're not done yet buddy but as you know i went into that world um and i was fully in it at this point mm. you know one of the guides came up uh his name's troy he's actually he's finishing his uh dissertation for his phd in psychotherapy mm. And he's also extremely experienced in the world of psychedelics. Like he had been initiated by the Bwiti in Africa or Gabon. He had gone oh, over wow. and like done the full initiation where he did like 10 scoops of freaking Iboga. <gasps> My God. So went into like a week long journey. Um, I can't imagine. Week long. Week long of that. And I um, cannot imagine. Anyways, one of the most intelligent, incredible humans ever. And he just so happened to work with me that night on the medicine, not only with his knowledge of the spiritual part and the psychedelics, but then incorporating his experience in psychotherapy mm. into it was freaking incredible. Oh, that's gotta man. be huge. Yeah. Um, yeah. He was able, initially we started working together with some sort of fun stuff and he's like, okay, I want you to look up into the sky. And again, I'm blindfolded, but he's like, I want you to look up into the sky. And I was able to see through the blindfold and through the roof of the building. And I could see this, the constellations up above us. And I saw, uh, I saw Orion's belt mm. and he's like, okay, I want you to pick a star and I want you to imagine that star. So I was like, okay, I got it. And it was the center star on Orion's belt. And I shot up to that star and he's like, okay, now you're up in the stars. He's like, you're in Orion's constellation. He's like, now I want you to imagine that Orion takes an arrow out of his quiver and puts it on his bow. And as he's doing that, I become this little flaming tip arrow on the end of the arrow. And then Orion, the, the constellation of Orion shoots me into the universe on the tip of this arrow. And I'm just this flaming little ginger beard dude, just zipping <laughs> through the universe, just screaming and yelling and smiling. And I end up plopping onto the moon. And as I land on the moon, Troy's there with me as my guide. And he's like, what do you think? And we look down and it's the freaking earth rise coming up mm. from below us wow. as we're seeing the earth come up from the perspective of the moon. So there was sort of like that fun stuff. And then as we were like, we were very in tune with each other because the guides do some of the medicine as well. Yeah. Uh, but with his knowledge and his experience, he was able to start to guide me into traumas of my past. Mm -hmm. And we went into things from the moment of my birth, I didn't even know it happened to me. Yeah. And I not only saw them, I relived them. I relived myself as a baby. I saw it, felt it, smelled it, tasted it, felt the emotions, the raw emotions I had experienced mm -hmm. of these traumatic things. I didn't have any idea even happened to me mm -hmm. as a kid. And 
and I guess we don't need to go into some of my childhood stuff a lot here, but um, it was incredibly impactful. Yeah. And as I relived these traumas that I didn't even have any, cog- I didn't have any memory of, um, I was able to see them, accept them, and I was able to forgive myself and the others involved and let it go. Mm. And we spent hours doing this. And it was like we were digging up all this trapped emotion that had just been stuck inside me yeah. for my entire yeah. lifetime that yeah. I had just been bottling up and shoving in places and trying to forget about. But as that stuff accrues, it just it bubbles up and it oh, yeah. manifests in terrible ways. And so we went through, you know, childhood, my ejection, and and we ended up, he said, uh, by the end of the night that we had gone through over four times what he's normally able to go through with people because we had just clicked so well Mm. and he was able to kind of keep me at that perfect spot yeah and all throughout the night i was very with my body i didn't have like the big out-of-body experience like i did with ayahuasca but it was so therapeutic um but by the end of the night i was just like holy shit Oh, we yeah. just unloaded so much. Absolutely. And I had gone from all that darkness and that shivering and that sickness. I mean, I had, at this point I had puked, I had, had to go to the bathroom, to take a dump. Like I had laughed, I had cried so much emotion of every different form had come out of me. And towards the end of the night, with all this warm radiating energy, I felt like there was a freaking the energy of a star was emanating from my heart. Mm. I felt so freaking hot. Like I stripped down. I, I nearly took off my underwear and just laid on this bed without any blankets. And I was so hot. I could feel this energy coming off of me and I was just steaming. Yeah. Um, but as the, the sun came up, um, I was still well in it and I spent the next day, they helped me get back to my room and I spent most of the next day still in this place, but, you know, nauseous and like, I don't ever want to do that again, but also like feeling a lot of gratitude and love. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we had a whole day off to just reflect and then into the next day, I was kind of like, I don't think I need to do that again. I'm good. <laughs> One and done. And I yeah. even told the yeah. guys that and they're like, okay, well at least come sit in ceremony and you don't have to take it if you don't want to. But as the night came on, you know, I was like, okay, maybe I'm ready. So I did a, another big heap and spoon of this and got back into it. And the second night I didn't have any of the, I didn't have any of the nausea. And I spent the first hour and a half kind of just enjoying like the, you know, this crazy comedy horror sketch comedy of the hallucinations, the auditory stuff. Yeah. Um, and kind of having fun with it now, like being able to interact with the medicine. And uh, I did a little bit of uh, generational trauma healing and I saw back to, you know, my great grandmother and some of the things mm. that they had gone through and the traumas that I don't know how I saw them, but I did. And I later went back and verified this stuff with my dad and was like, hey, do you have a relative named Mary that lived in, you know, was she a farmer and she had a bunch of miscarriages and like all these things and all this stuff that I was able to experience and she killed herself. And he's like, oh my God, that's my grandmother. So all the stuff I experienced, I felt their spirits and I did some generational trauma healing back into my history that I didn't even know of. And I was able to go back with my dad after the fact and found out these were real people. And I found out their backstory and like incredible, my great grandmother had had, uh, they had been on a failing farm during the great depression Mm. and they had put all these, you know, 
pesticides and herbicides back then, you know, they're using like arsenic and DDT or whatever they use in this poisonous stuff. And it was causing her to have all these crazy birth defects and Mm. miscarriages. And she finally had a viable son that was my grandfather, but he had a cleft palate and it was caused by these chemicals they were putting on the foods uh, and fat salad. We're still doing that. We're just using different shit. But, um, anyways, it was incredibly healing. And then I fell asleep after like an hour and a half, two hours and wow. I spent the rest of the night in this very restful sleep. And I came to, and the sun was up. And I went back to my room, and they're like, "Yeah, that was incredibly powerful for you." Troy explained to me, he's like, "That medicine was able to get deep into your subconscious and work on you ways." And he's like, "For you to be able to sleep on iboga, he's like, that's one of the most healing things that could happen." And I felt so full of love, mm-hmm. even more magnified than I had before. Amazing. But uh, man, it was one of the most. It was the most therapeutic sessions I've had to address trauma. Sure. And then rolled right from that, flew from Costa Rica to Dubai, <laughs> and joined up with you guys on the seven X project yeah, and uh, then decided to jump in and run a couple marathons untrained uh, <laughs> Amazing. Uh, right after days after doing a boga uh, twice. Yeah. Just re- met that incredible group of human beings. Yeah. And I was so grateful to be part of that whole world. Um, and everything that unfolded on that event, yeah, uh, the good and the bad, but it was pretty cool to be part of that and meet that community of people. Uh, and meet you <laughs> yes. in person. I know we had talked over the phone uh, prior, but then you showed up at this event. I'm like, oh. Yeah, look at that. Small up, world. Yeah, yeah, met small world, across the world. <laughs> I don't know how you went from Iboga directly into like doing anything else afterwards. Yeah, I, I know there's a, a difference much, between, but, yeah, yeah, Ibogaine and Iboga. Yeah. I know there's, there's a difference between the two, um, but it, that, that's, it takes some it takes some gall to, to be able to hop on a plane and fly across the world and spend the, you know, the next week with a group of people you don't know after doing yeah. Ibogaine, I could barely walk yeah, for like I mean, a couple of days um, after. <laughs> I think the Ibogaine is basically one of the alkaloids of the Iboga root yeah, and it's, it's kind of more concentrated. Yeah. So you're getting a pretty heavy hit of that one alkaloid. Whereas when you have the root, you're getting a wider variety. It's about 60% Ibogaine plus 40% of these other alkaloids mm. that are psychoactive yeah. and acting on your brain and nervous system. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know that it's, I don't know that the Iboga, depending on the dosage probably, but sure. I don't know that you're getting quite the kick in the balls that you do when you just do the full up concentrated Ibogaine like like you guys had the yeah. experience with. Well, maybe we'll have to try um, the Iboga next time and see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, probably if you do 10 scope, scoops of the uh, Iboga like Troy did. I don't uh, need that many. Yeah. You're going to have 10 days of intense <laughs> no, no uh, psychosis and all that. But, yeah. Um, it's an amazing journey, man. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, uh, thank you guys again for having me and give me the chance to talk about all this stuff and, yeah. and all the incredible vsos and folks like yourself out there sharing and helping to spread this kind of healing Mm. because there is a whole world of these modalities and help to help bring you out of whatever dark place that you found yourself in and you know maybe you're not going to have access to all of these same ones i know i didn't have access to some of the same ones that you guys did but if you start reaching out and learning about it you'll find spots and apply apply to multiple places apply to multiple programs and before you know it you'll start getting picked up 
and you'll start getting access to modalities that are Mm going to help you heal. Not only that, but then just the community and the camaraderie and the connections and network that it's building for me and for, for, for veterans that are in that struggle. And, you know, if you're not a veteran or a first responder and maybe you don't get access to some of these, there are other nonprofits that are starting to fill these gaps as well. Mm -hmm. So whatever your situation, however dark and hopeless a place you're coming from, no, it doesn't, you don't have to be this drug addicted, broken soul the rest of your life. No matter how broken you feel, how hopeless, how suicidal, you know, you can, you can get out of that. Yeah. You can break free from it. And I hope that podcasts like this and what you guys are doing is helping to, to spread that message. And, um, yeah, man, there's hope there is despite all the, you know, the dark things unfolding in the world these days and, and moments that even still, I, you know, get my dark moments, but, um, I think we're kind of a beacon We're this little flame of hope that's maybe helping to reignite something. And then as we heal and we get better, we get to go back to being that person to provide service and to help others. Yeah. And uh, man, that is incredibly powerful. And I think that's what's really going to cause change. Yeah, absolutely. Become the lighthouse. Yeah. Fix yourself, work on yourself, yeah. heal yourself. And a lot of the stuff I'm talking about, you don't need, you don't need a bunch of money. You don't need a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. A lot of this stuff is just changing something simple, changing your, your, your lifestyle habits. Yeah. Instead of drinking soda and alcohol as much, maybe start drinking more fresh water. Yeah. Start, uh, you know, maybe go for a walk for 10 minutes a day. You don't have to go out and do an ultra marathon. You don't have to start Olympic lifting, you know, start incorporating little steps. If you start taking these little steps, little by little, Mm -hmm. you start maybe getting some of the junk out of your food, start looking at the ingredients. And if you can't pronounce it and there's more than six or seven ingredients in something, (laughs) don't eat it. It's not food. I have a fifth Mm -hmm. grade reading level. So (laughs) yeah, perfect. that's an advantage. Yeah. Pronouncing (laughs) these things is difficult anyways. Um, but there's just so much that we can do on our owns to heal and yeah. on our own to heal. Uh, and, and it largely takes taking it upon yourself mm. to make the decision that you want to heal yourself. Personal responsibility. Um, you, you can't just take a pill. There is no easy pill. That's not, that's going to fix you. We can do psychedelics all day, but if you're not doing all this groundwork yeah. ahead of time and after to integrate that stuff, uh, you, you're probably going to be doing more harm than good. Yeah. And, it's not a magic uh, fix it at all. No, yeah. no. And um, big disclaimer is, it's a tool. yeah, is don't, don't go out and seek these on your own. Like don't, don't just go buy it <laughs> from a dude on the corner, like seek out facilities that are, that are verified and are overseen by medical staff because there are a ton of facilities that you can go to and do this safe and legally and you know with guides who can explain the process on how to enter it and how to exit and how to integrate back into your life because it's far more dangerous to go search it on your own and just see what happens it's it's a recipe for disaster yeah i mean um it's certainly i mean it's a tool but it's a chainsaw and you can you can probably do some damage with it yeah and on that same note and i hope i hope these treatments become more available and more legal and, and and more widespread but i also realize that we are we are very fortunate to gain these access to these treatments in the yeah. way that we have and i know there's a lot of people holding their breath in desperation that want to gain access to this stuff that don't have it and part of me is of the mindset and i agree if you can if you can get this through the proper channels it's going to it's going to do you a lot of good yeah but you know the other side of that coin is like these are 
these are plant, fungi, and animal medicines that have been around since prehistory that have been used by indigenous people since before recorded time, and they mm-hmm. have a huge impact. And yes, they are powerful. Um, they they can probably do a lot of harm if you're just using them inappropriately. But you know, I understand people that are out there desperate to get some help. Do some research. Mm-hmm. Learn the integration process. Use the learn the tools because there is a lot of free information out there. Um, and again, I hope you can find one of these resources that can bring you in. Yeah. But uh, I know there's a lot of people out there in desperate positions that need help now. They don't have time to wait for this stuff to be legalized and widely available. Uh, and I feel for them too. Yeah. So. Um, we definitely do as well on, on this side of the yeah. table, but um, Kagan, thank you very much for, yeah. for sharing your story. It's been, I mean, it's been a roller coaster from start to be, Absolutely. from start to finish. Uh, yeah. Thanks again yeah. for your time. You guys really thank you. Yeah. For, oh, thanks for opening up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We've got quite some time in. Yeah. yeah. No kidding. Yeah. It's been great. Great talking to you guys. If people want to find you, where, where can they find you? Can they reach out um, to you? Yeah. Probably the easiest way to get a hold of me, um, is just my Instagram page. I'm at Kagan Smurf Gill. Kagan, Kagan Smurf is spelled K-E-G-A-N. Uh, Smurf, just like the Smurf, and Gill like the fish. Kagan Smurf Gill, all one word. Perfect. Uh, you can message me on there. I'm happy to help point you in the right direction uh, and maybe share some of uh, some of the things I think could maybe help your particular situation. Also, uh, Instagram, or not Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, mm-hmm. just Kagan Gill. I'm sure uh, you guys will probably have links and stuff uh, yeah. of yep. my name on this episode. So please feel free to reach out to me. You will be talking directly to me, and I will, uh, if you're a genuine human being with a with a real question, I'm happy to answer. Uh, if you're a sex bot, uh, you know, <laughs> trying to get me to look at your webcam, I probably won't respond. But <laughs> we'll try to filter those out. Yeah. Well, thanks, brother, again for sharing your story. It's been incredible. Be sure to share those links in our descriptions mm-hmm. um, so they could find you and ask you good questions. Yeah, if you guys a- have any comments definitely adam ask us yeah we want to hear questions head on over to uh the medevac podcast instagram at medevac podcast or medevacpodcast.com if you want to reach myself or dave uh, leave comments questions or just interact with uh, the show a little bit more thank you for watching and we'll see you next time thanks guys bye